Open the laptop to type. I put my name into Skype. Some blog we're going to hype. And now they're on the pod. We're talking football and things happening in wrestling rings. But you just ask which one sings. You're listening to the pod. Don't tell your parents. Vandenberg killed the Barons. Is it time to fire Ferrance? Ask the scout.com at baby. You're listening to a sonic bomb blast of stats and dick jokes. Blackheart Gold Podcast. Totally amateurish. Not even broadcast. Sometimes in Spanish. Blackheart Gold Podcast. You hear the ice cubes in our rocks glass. We don't even edit. Blackheart Gold Podcast. There aren't that many words that rhyme with podcast. Let's start the interview. Blackheart Gold Podcast. Blackheart Gold Podcast episode 80, um, the season four premiere of sorts. Uh, we've been gone for a couple of months here and are, are back to uh, get ready for football season. And what better way of getting ready for football season than to discuss the recently formed four-team playoff system um, with uh, one of the the best writers on the subject and a man who, who uh, took great umbrage to our Chick-fil-A bashing. Senator Blutarski, Georgia fan, writer of Get the Picture. The right honorable senator, how you doing tonight? I'm hanging in there, sir. How you doing? Um, you know, living the dream. So, uh, you know, I, I've read pretty much everything you've written on the subject of the playoff system. And when we, when we first talked about having you on the show, we were thinking that there wouldn't actually be a playoff system in place and that we could discuss, you know, plus one and all that other fun stuff. But that's, you know, long since gone. So, I think we agree a lot more than we disagree on playoffs. I'm kind of a playoff agnostic myself as well, but um what is your your thumbnail position on on the four team playoff and, and what are your concerns with the system as it's been uh portrayed so far? Oh, I agree with you on being a playoff agnostic. Uh my my biggest concern what to me what makes college football as special as it is is how important the regular season is. And so all I really care about with regard to whatever they do in the postseason is they don't muck up a great thing. And so I don't really have a, a major problem with the 14 playoff. I was just hoping that, you know, as they had this debate about 14 playoff versus uh, plus one versus status quo, you know, whatever, that whatever they would wind up with would have a shot at being a relatively stable format that wouldn't tempt them into, you know, basically going down the expanded playoffs road. Uh, you know, the more I'm looking at what's happened over the past couple of weeks, I don't know if there's any format that really would have uh, ensured more resistance to that or not. I'm, I'm getting very cynical about the whole thing at this point. Well, I, the thing that worries me more than anything else, and I'm with you, if, if it stays at four, I can live with that. If it moves to eight or 16 and and the important games are no longer the important games and, we're we're watching uh you know number 14 versus number 25 to determine who's going to get that wild card spot um that that I think it, we've lost something if that happens but the thing that worries me more than anything else is that we have now put it in the hands of six bowl games who are going to rotate and are always going to want a, a playoff game you know more frequently and so it seems to me that eight teams and 12 teams is almost inevitable based solely on the fact that they've now decided to use these bowl games as as the the jumping off point for for this playoff. 
what's what's the nightmare scenario for you here? What at what point is it become a completely ridiculous overstretch? Well, I think what what scares me the most right now are, are two things. Number one, and I think you know you just you you touched on how quickly they suddenly came to a, a head, things came to a head on on deciding on a postseason format. It, it just amazes me to see how much the money rush has really driven things in the last couple of years. I mean, I'm not just talking about the playoffs. Just you know, it gets back to the, the whole. All the, all the seismic changes, the, the conference realignment, the you know, the, and expansion, the the constant rumors about teams, you know, jumping around. Uh, the postseason stuff is just another part of that. But uh, the money has just, I mean, these, the, it, it's amazing to me how fast it's all coming down. So that that's the one, the major thing that probably concerns me the most. Uh, and and the second thing I, I guess it boils down to, I have a part of what you have to look at here. It's not just the size of the Tournament that's a concern. It's the um, it's the uh, how they determine who who plays in it. Uh, the more subjective, and by subjective I simply mean you know whether it's a selection committee or a uh, or polls or whatever else. But it's not tied to a specific. If you do this, you will be in the playoff kind of thing. Like win your division, you're in the playoff. If it's more like finishing the top five in the BCS standings or, or this, that, and the other. The more the more flexibility there is in who gets to come in, the, the more you open up arguments and discussions about well, if those guys are in, we should be in, and, right. and that sort of drives the whole thing as well. So uh, the the problem I the problem I see is you know the, I, I agree with you. I, I think eight's uh, inevitable because I think the first the first time there's a crisis, the first time the first time that there's a a weird situation, whether it's 2007 where you just had a mad mess at the end of the season after West Virginia got upset, or it's a, a weird year where they have somehow five undefeated uh, you know, major conference uh, champions, the first time that rolls around, you're going to have all the screaming about, oh, look, this didn't work either. And, and these guys panicked, I thought, uh, over, over the numbers they saw in terms of viewership and bowl attendance this year. And I think if they if they see it again, they're going to panic again. And and so, eight is eight going to be a tipping point? It could very well be. Um, it, it's just it's hard for me to put a number on it. But the one other thing though that I, that I found funny today was uh, I was really curious to see a few people out there already saying that there's no reason to worry about you know bracket creep, which is you know the expansion issue because the basically the economics of college football sort of hemmed that in. And I, I'm just sort of thinking to myself, you're right. You know, the one thing I think that does that does hold these guys back is fear that they're going to blow the regular season money, which is which is sure. still the main economic driver to all this stuff. But the, the problem is, you're counting on these guys being able to somehow calibrate future greed, in in, in and maximize the the gravy train off the postseason without screwing up the, the what they're making off of regular season football. And you know, I'm not that confident that the, those guys are that good at keeping all the balls up in the air. And if they blow that, if they if they basically you know go past the turning point where all of a sudden ESPN comes back and says, guys, the regular season numbers just aren't that good anymore. You're you're turning into basketball. We're going to have to adjust those numbers. At that point, you get into a mad chase to keep expanding the postseason because right. you've got to do something to make up for the regular season money you're losing. And then basically, you turn into another you know version of college basketball. Uh, yeah, I agree. And and um. I saw your post in response to year two today, and I thought year yeah. two's post was was very interesting and, and right to a certain extent. Um, I thought the the logical jump of, of both the 
that there'll be a significant decrease in, in regular season revenue from eight to 16 or from 16 to 32, I think was, was rational. I think the jump as far as the scheduling goes, where he was worried about the NFL playoffs, I just see them going further forward. They have an entire month of December wide open that they can fill with games if they want to. Um, even if it means that the semifinals are played on, on January one, um, you know, there's still more than enough time there to, to drop games on the day after Christmas or, you know, mid December or whatever it might be if they wanted, if they wanted to expand further. Um, but, uh, it was certainly an interesting argument to say that, you know, we don't really have a, a chance of it getting much bigger. I think it's inevitable. I think every playoff ever made has, has grown to the point where even baseball now has a one game play in between four and five, um, and, and two wild cards in each, uh, uh division. Um, what would be your preferred system for choosing what is now the four teams that are going to be involved in this thing? It's definitely not a selection committee because my biggest fear of the selection committee is going to be that I, that they're they're not going to make it a completely transparent process. These guys they're going to hand these guys some guidelines and they're going to say we don't want to tie it down with too many specifics. So you know consider this, consider this, consider this, but we're not going to give you a formula. You guys just go to the back room and figure it out. You know that just smells of cutting deals and, and this, that, and the other. And that's what I'm that's where I'm afraid they're going to wind up. If it was up to me, um, I, I sort of kid about it. I kidded about it a little bit the other day. But the more I think about it, the more I like it. I would probably try to come up with some kind of formula that would use the computers, an open formula that everybody would know what it would be. That would that would weigh various things. And I think strength of scheduling would have to be one of those very obvious things included. Because you've got to have some way to account for the fact that there isn't that much parity in, in college football. You know, divisional strength varies dramatically. Sure. So do so do team schedules. I mean, you know, uh, SEC is going to try to get away with playing an eight-team schedule uh, in in conference. Uh, other conferences are playing more, so I think you've got to have that in there to sort of compensate for it. But I, I would I would want some sort of human element in the in the decision-making process. And, and my thought. Was uh, really to, you know, put together 124 voters, you know, one for each team in Division One, uh, you know, balance them equally geographically, and let them and let them vote not in terms of ranking 25 teams, but uh, doing some version of approval voting, where basically you just list the 10 best teams you think there are in the country, and then you compile everybody's 10 best lists, and whichever teams get named the most, that's you know, that's who ranks the top. So you'd have a combination of that and and a computer formula. And again, the whole point is the more transparent you can make the process, the better I, th- I think it is, and the more I think people will accept it. I, I just have a feeling this this thing with the selection committee is going to be a disaster. Yeah, I agree. I think not only because uh, the backroom dealing that you talked about, but also there's a selection committee in basketball, and it seems that the response every time that they're criticized more than one year in a row is to just expand the field so that they have fewer issues. Um, I think it just kind of builds in the possibility of further uh, uh, bracket creep if you if you go with that. Um, you want to talk about the mummy poll since you brought up uh, Thanks. Yeah, how, you, how you uh, how you how you choose that? Go ahead. It's uh, you know I, I had a I had a a light bulb or something go off my head. Tony Barnhart wrote a fabulous column in the AJC about five years ago after the 2007 coaches poll came the the, the one that they publicized at the end of the regular season came out. And that's the one that just had some incredibly blatant conflicts of interest, you know, coaches pushing their own 
uh, conferences to you know ridiculous lengths. And then of course the, the best thing being that Hal Mummy, and who, who <laughs> poll got named after him because of the vote, voted Hawaii number one in the coaches poll simply because he wanted to make sure that a team from the WAC was in the top ten, so it would get into a BCS game and you know and, and pull some revenue back for the for the for the conference. And it's just, it was just blatant. I mean, Barnhart did a terrific job. And I just thought to myself, there's got to be a better way to do this. I mean, what they really should do is just get rid of the coaches' bowl. But if they're not going to get rid of the coaches' bowl, try to come up with some format that at least makes an attempt at reducing conflicts of interest and bias. And then I read this stuff about approval voting, and it just made a lot of sense. So basically I came up with uh, with, what, with the mummy poll, which in, instead of ranking teams in order – as a voter, you simply pick the the ten best teams in the country, and then all the votes are compiled together, and teams are ranked in in order of who gets named the most. And uh, you know it works pretty well. Uh, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but it's it's a lot harder to game uh, a poll based on approval voting than it is uh, you know one based on on ranked voting. And and how long have you been running it, and who do you have voting in it at, at the time? It's it's a fan based poll, so basically anybody that wants to to vote in it can can do so. Uh, we it, we finished our uh, – basically, I, I run it now with uh, somebody from uh, third Saturday in uh, October, uh, which is a really nice Alabama-Tennessee uh, website. Um, and um, we've – I want to say this is our, we're going into our fourth season now. Um, and it's worked pretty well. I've, I've been very pleased with it. it. And one thing I really like about it, aside from the, the, the conflicts of interest and bias issue, the other thing that it really does a, a good job of addressing is, uh, you know, the reality with the coaches' poll is that most coaches don't vote in it. They turn it over to an SID or an assistant and let them do it. And, right. And, you know, who's got the time to sit there and try to figure out who the 24th best team in the country is? What's nice about, about doing a, a poll like this is it's much easier to sit down and try to come up with a list of the ten best teams in the country without having to worry about which one's six or which one's seven. Now, you, you know, you do still get into a little bit of uh, angst over who's ten versus eleven, but that's that still makes for a much, you know, quicker means of voting. I, I, I usually can compile a ballot in about 30 minutes at the most. And, I mean, it, that's, enough, that's enough time where I think a coach could be credible and say, yeah, I did this ballot. I did it myself. I didn't need any help. So I think that uh, I think that's a, another good thing about it. It's been fun to do, and, and um, you know it may become a moot point if they really are going to can the coaches' poll. I'll be curious to see if that happens. Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing it's going to go away completely, but um, uh, it's certainly an interesting way of, of going about it. Um, how's Georgia going to be this year? Well, I got you on the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, Defensively, they're going to be stout. I mean, they're 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 loaded. Uh, at this point, they've got two years under the belt learning Grantham's three four. I you know I I try not to blow very much smoke, but I I really think you can make a good argument that they're going to run the best front the best front seven best defensive front seven in the country out there this year. Uh, I mean, they're they're just they've got some terrific stuff. Where I'm nervous about Georgia is on the offensive line, where they're going to be very green and um, special teams play, which was absolutely hideous last year. And uh, to make it just as um, iffy, they've got a fre- they'll have a freshman kicker and a freshman punter this year. Uh, the schedule's great. Uh, the reality of it is they should win at least 10 games again. Um, and the East, SEC East is still a little bit of a mess. Georgia doesn't have to play Bama or LSU, which is an enormous help. Um, because their primary competition in the East 
has to play at least one of those two schools. So uh, I, I think um, they've got a very good likelihood of winding up about in the same place they finished last year, which is winning the East and getting back to the uh, SEC championship game. You getting excited for a trip to Missouri? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not going, but I have, I have friends that are and, and are looking forward to it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm still I'm still steaming a little bit over over how the SEC resolved the schedule this year. And I guess that that I've been trying to figure out how to do a, a post on this for a while, but I, I just have this feeling we are watching college football being transformed from a regional sport into a national sport, and I don't think that's a good thing either. I think it's another way they're stripping one of the strengths of uh, of the sport away. And, uh, you know, to me, I mean, I'm looking at Columbia, Mississippi, and the SEC East, and I'm just sort of sitting there going, this is the best we can come up with, guys. <laughs> so, I mean, the game itself should be a lot of fun. I, I'm really, all other things considered in terms of what's made me either irritated or, uncon- you know, or, or whatever, the one thing I really am intrigued about this year is seeing what happens with two Big 12 offenses yeah. moving into the SEC and seeing how they cope with SEC defenses and vice versa. Because I guarantee you those guys have not seen 320-pound defensive tackles and nose guards that can move like uh, you know 50-pound lighter defensive ends. And it's going to be interesting. And on the other side of the coin, I mean, I know that uh, – Missouri loves running five wides, and there really wasn't much of that in the SEC last year. So it's going to be interesting to see everybody coast with everybody. No, I, that's certainly going to be one of the more interesting things I'm going to be watching for this year, too. Um, well, there is an elephant in the room here. Um, it's a chicken, <laughs> it's a chicken uh, shaped elephant. <laughs> so, uh, as, as our listeners obviously know, um, I'm not a huge fan of Chick fil A. It's not terrible, it's just, it's okay. Really? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Um, and, and when, when I made my, uh, opinion on Chick-fil-A known, uh, you very politely said, you know, you can, you can make an argument on the playoff, but don't mess with Chick-fil-A. Um, where am I wrong here? Is it, is it a location thing? Am I just getting bad Chick-fil-A in Davenport, Iowa? Seriously, my bet is at some of it. Uh, I just think that you're likely, I mean, it, it, I have a, there's a Chick-fil-A about a mile from my house. It actually, there's a Chick-fil-A about a mile from my house in either direction. <laughs> it's like uh, both, like the Southern Starbucks. <laughs> oh yeah, and and they're both busy enough that they run uh, two lane customer drive through. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I think it tells you is there's a lot of turnover. I mean, there's not there's not stuff sitting under a heat lamp. Yeah. Um, and I think that that does you know make a difference. Now I will agree with you. I think you mentioned the you know the the fries and stuff were nothing special and and, and I you know I really I can't argue with with stuff like that. The, although the, and I'm not a big milkshake fan, but evidently a lot of people are big on some of Chick-fil-A's milkshakes, but the chicken sandwich to me theirs is just it's it's very good. Don't <laughs> <laughs> don't any another way to put it, but uh, I mean it's not heavily breaded. It's very it's very tasty. Uh, in terms of how they season it, uh, I don't find them to be very dry. But again, I, I can see how if it was sitting out for a while, you know, maybe that's the issue. But the, the stuff moves so fast here that it doesn't have a chance to get dry. You know, I, it might be the fact that I'm getting it from a food court in Iowa. That might certainly be part of the issue. Um, the, the, the other possibility here that I have to bring up is, I mean, it may just be in the Midwest. You guys just aren't as enamored of fried foods. 
as we are in the South. Have you seen us? I mean, <laughs> well, there's different there's different ways to you know look healthy. <laughs> we had we had fried butter at the Iowa State Fair last year. I heard about that, but let me tell you what I had yesterday, and you've probably seen it mentioned on Twitter or something. But uh, there's a fabulous barbecue joint here, and one of their specialties are fried ribs. Ooh, nice. Oh my God! I mean, this is, it's a smoked rib that, 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 that they turn around and chicken fry. And oh, so that'd be got, fantastic. Oh, I mean, it's to die for. It is <laughs> that would be fantastic. All right, I'm coming to Atlanta for first. You do? Uh, I'll, I will hook you up, man. No, no problem at all. All right, sounds good. I uh, want to thank uh, Senator Blutarski, the good senator from the state of Georgia, for uh, for being on the show tonight and for uh, not being especially angry about me disparaging the state restaurant of Georgia. Um, and remind everybody they can catch him at uh, Get the Picture. We'll have a, a link on the site along with the, the post. Thanks.